Curious Fuckers. Whoa. We've got a little special treat for you today. A little treat. Yeah. Coming at you with goodies. <laughs> mm. Well, semi semi goodies. I mean, like we're half yeah. away. So it's kind of. We're, yeah, we're moo. half away, but we're kind of here. So we thought that we would slip <laughs> you a little love high episode that so you can get a taste of my solo podcast, which is all about love relationships, connections, self-discovery, and all of that goodness. Yes! So while Florence and I are away in LA on holiday, we thought we would treat you to a very special episode of Florence's podcast, Love High. Yay! And then hopefully you'll listen to it and you'll stick around and be a regular listener. And love it. Do you have Do you have a name for your audience yet? Like, we have curious fuckers. Like My loves. Love hires. Oh, the loves. That's cute. I like that. That's very nice. So you're just about to listen to an episode that I recorded back when I was in LA the first time with Kelsey Dera, one of our great friends from the Confidently Insecure podcast. And we talk all about her journey with open relationships, non-monogamy, being bisexual, and all of those amazing things. Amazing. So yeah, lucky you. Listen to it now, enjoy, let us know what you think. And of course, go on to Love High and follow it and listen to all the episodes. Yeah, thank you, Curious Fuckers. Hi, my loves. Welcome back to Love High. My name is Florence Bark, and I'm so excited that you're joining me here for my second episode. This podcast is all about how we find ourselves in a world obsessed with love. Today, I'm talking to my friend, Kelsey Derra. So before we properly get into today's episode, I just wanted to say a massive thank you to everyone that is joining me here on my new solo podcast journey. It's scary, it's daunting, I don't know what people think of it, but you know what? I just want to be out here talking about love, relationships, and learning more about intimacy and connections and all the things that I really struggle to understand. So a big part of the Love High podcast for me is creating a community of people that are going to be there for each other and also just be here on that journey when it comes to learning about love, life, relationships, heartbreak and all of that. So I have created a Patreon which is £1 a month to be a member and it means that you are going to be part of the process. This is where you get to put in your two cents about what you want me to talk about on the episode. You can talk about what guests you want to get on, what stories you want to hear, any topics you want to be covered. So I've also created a Discord that's connected with the Patreon, which is going to be like a live chat room, live forum, so that everyone, all the loves out here can communicate with each other and like talk over things that are happening in their lives um so you don't feel so alone on this journey and I think that's something that would have really benefited me back in the past when I was going through my heartbreak just having that community out there that's here for you that's here to help you that's here to listen so this is why I really wanted to create the Patreon so we can start that community from the beginning not like in the future sometime from the beginning so visit patreon.com slash lovehigh to sign up to be a patreon and join the community in this episode we're talking to my friend kelsey dera she's someone that had a huge impact on me whilst i was out on my healing journey in la so i was so excited to ask her onto the podcast She is, if you don't know already, the podcast host of Confidently Insecure. She is the author of the best-selling book, Don't Fucking Panic. She's also a director, a writer, and a content creator extraordinaire. 
This conversation was so fucking amazing. It literally went down so many different rabbit holes, but I think all of it was so, so thought provoking. We talk about the whole of Kelsey's journey when it comes to from her teenage years at school and her first relationships to her open relationship that she has now. And I think this is what's so interesting about all these conversations is that everyone has such a different story and such a different definition of what love means to them. So let's dive straight into it. Here is Kelsey. So I have Kelsey here. Hi. This is the first ever recording of Love High with with a guest. There'll be like a pre-episode, but I'm really excited. Yay. And yeah, this has been a project that I've had in the works for a while. And I think you in particular are going to be a great guest because your relationship is... So unique. So unique. Well, I'm glad you're doing this because I think it's a thing people need and loved so much about what you talked about that Mm -hmm. it's like... I'm happy you're seeking out different types of relate, like what is a relationship even like that's, I think think that's a good foundation. Yeah. (laughs) It's been like my kind of mission from the beginning of this like heartbreak podcast thing. And then like the spinoff from that is that I've become very interested in intimacy, Mm. which is like not just sex. It's like the intimacy between like connections, relationships, like and like that whole process yeah and everyone gets you know everyone has a totally different experience Mm -hmm. and as you know people love relating to Mm -hmm. to things and I think like hearing about it can affirm so much for people that like I don't want to like jump already off into a subject but I'll briefly cover it if you want to circle back but just like the idea that we have to subscribe to a type of lifestyle or like an end goal at all that every what other thing does every single person in the world do the same nothing right but yet we've all subscribed there's very few outliers that like this is the way something is supposed to go yeah you know from like day one I guess we've always been taught that relationships were supposed to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then when we start feeling like, oh, this isn't working, then it starts, you know, grating on us in the wrong way. But then we feel like we're the problem. Mm -hmm. We're the mistake, not the way that we were all like led to believe. Or we settle, right? Oh my God. So many people settle. We settle to the most unfulfilling versions of relationships. We settle for comfortability. We settle for routine. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think our generations are the first ones to not be getting married for the first time ever. I think since like homo sapiens existed (laughs) to not be pairing off in a traditional sense. How did you like, what was your first relationship with the idea of love and relationships? Like, what did you, when you were a child or a teenager? That's such a funny question. You know, what's funny is like, I identify as bisexual or pansexual, you know, whatever. I'm an old school bi, an old school queer. So I like the word bisexual. I just, I think it just sounds more like what I understand it to be, which is like mine and unlike mine. Mm-hmm. It can be two of that. Yeah. But looking back on my sexuality, I always was attracted to the idea of a person, not like the opposite gender. Yeah. And I even remember being like obsessed, you know, you have your first crush or your first like celebrity idol or whatever. And I remember it being like baby spice for me or something, you know, like <laughs> I was like, she's so pretty and I, I don't just want to be her. Like I want to make out with her. Like I want to kiss her and touch her and stuff. Like I remember relationships being very fluid even as a young age which wow felt weird then it did I never like dove into it I kept yeah. it like very buried for a long time yeah but in terms of like relationship relationship I was all always raised to believe a girl is supposed to be swooped off her feet by a man the knight in shining the armor. grand gestures the classic love story that you're supposed to get married have a big fancy white poofy wedding like that's what i subscribe to in In my my 
diaries yeah. I used to write like Mr. and Mrs. Yes. Blah blah with like uh-huh. our kid blah blah. Oh my god, yeah. Or like do those like mash games. You're oh, going to yeah. end up in a house with this person. Wow. Like we were doing that even the, so young. Even the games. I, I remember I, I was playing a game with like a friend who was a male and we played weddings. <laughs> like, and that was the time where I had my first kiss <gasps> with someone. He kissed me on the hand. Oh. And I was like, oh. You were smitten. <laughs> wow. But playing weddings when you were a kid. That's, I've never, I don't, I don't know that I ever played that with another guy maybe yeah. with my girlfriends we were like okay and you're yeah. gonna marry this and remember it yeah i remember playing house with my guy friends in preschool mm-hmm. but never Which is a similar kind yeah. of thing yeah like the american dream i guess white picket fence exactly yeah no but you know what i think completely shattered that was my physical family didn't look like that like, my mom okay. is married to my dad for 30-plus years. Yeah. But my mom is not a stay-at-home cooking. Like, she's yeah. a work 365 days a year. Yeah. Boss bitch. Make your own money. Have your own bank account. Amazing. Pay your own bill. Like, she... Yeah. So, when I'd go over to, like, my friend's house, I'd be like, why are your mom here? Yeah. Why aren't your moms at work? Like, I thought that was really weird. So, I think I got subscribed by society to what a relationship is supposed to be like and then i was like but that's not what my house looks like and that's where i got my maybe deepest impressions that's cool so what were your first relationships like were they kind of standard did you think you were gonna get married and like (sighs) it's so funny because like i probably had a secret girlfriend multiple times but like would never have called it that and we both didn't know how to vocalize that but we would like find any excuse to make out and hook up and like hang out and like diddle with each other and shit but then we would like blame it on like alcohol or just like sleepover activities or like yeah that was crazy but I me and like I remember specifically one girl and I had like that kind of relationship where it was like are we best friends or are we dating yeah. But neither of us could say that. Aww. So it's like I had that. And then my first boyfriend was to the script American high school movie. He was right. the quarterback of the football team. Oh my God. I was the sports news anchor and like pretty well liked. I wasn't like the most popular girl or hottest by any means. <laughs> but I was sure. like, you know, I was in, in the in group. Yeah. And yeah, we yeah. had like the parties at my house every weekend. We were... He was like my first love. And I think it was because that was the most accepted Mm -hmm. by society. And I remember when I moved to New York and wanted to like be my own thing and do my own career. He came out and saw me and we got in this big fight. And he was like, you've just changed. Like you're just all like Hollywood now and you're changed. (gasps) And I remember being at the time so hurt. But now I'm like, thank fucking God I changed. Because you know what? He married a girl from our high school who's a kindergarten teacher who doesn't want to leave our hometown. Oh, shit. So do you think if you'd stayed with him... 100%. You would just be in that kind of white picket fence, like, marriage? I think it would have lasted for about a year. Yeah. (laughs) And then I would have gotten bored and... Yeah. And, like, this wild animal cannot be caged. Even Mm. when I was a young kid, I was, like, making out with girls all the time. So eventually something would have happened. Yeah, definitely. I never cheated on him but like we would take a break yeah and i'd like go hook up with our guys and stuff. so yeah. like i was messy for sure let's circle back <laughs> and go into your relationship now yeah and then circle back to how <laughs> you got to that yeah it's crazy so i've been with my partner jared for four years we're yes. about to ce- celebrate our anniversary next sunday Ooh. which is so stupid it's like who cares um <laughs> i care oh thanks <laughs> I, pre- I believe that and appreciate it. Florence is such a feeler. I love her for that. Um, yeah. And we are in like an open non-monogamous relationship. And I think that's so important mm. because the thing I always like to say to that extent is like, I never in a million years thought I would be in an open relationship. Really? Because I was conditioned to believe yeah that's cheating or that's wrong or that's for like weirdos in utah you know like polyamorous polygamous polygamy cult group shit yeah 
And I was pretty jealous with in my early 20s, late teens. Yeah. But it's because I was super insecure Mm -hmm. and I had zero communication skills. So when I met Jared, we started off as friends with benefits. And by that time, I was the most successful I'd been in my career. I was the most confident myself. I knew I was the shit. I was like, he's fucking lucky, you know, and we were sleeping with other people. We were friends with benefits to start. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. So it, it wasn't as hard to, A, talk about that stuff. Yeah. You know, like when we had to have like condom conversation or like STD conversation yeah. or like, you know, even making plans. It was like, are you with this person this weekend or are you like around? Have you always been open? No. Oh. Jared's my first open relationship. No, I mean like with Jared. Oh, yes. Yeah, so there right was just, the it was the right person, the right time in my yeah. life. Just so many things aligned Yeah. for us to be able to be. And you have to be, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn because we're not perfect <laughs> with it, but you have to be so fucking brutally honest. Yes. And self-aware. Like, we don't hold any emotion back like i always say i'm like you think lesbians are like overly emotional with each other try being in an open relationship you have to communicate absolutely fucking everything everything so clearly so so brutally Mm self-examining because i had to go like why does this thing bother me but this thing doesn't and like like kink free like you have to be so brutally self-examining and I don't think a lot of people that's hard yeah there's so many studies though on and I was gonna wonder if you'd heard this have you heard of NRE new relationship energy no but I can kind of gather understand yeah yeah so like there's all these words now coming out like ethically non-monogamous ENM yeah like do you feel like is the difference between nothing being ethically non-monogamous and non-monogamous? I, literally, it's consent, right? That's all you need to be in an open <laughs> yeah. relationship. Yeah. Like two people have to be aware. And I think that's what it is. I guess it's like also communication. So like if you were in a non-monogamous relationship and you maybe weren't communicating mm. as much as you should be, yeah. then that's slightly maybe unethical. But, but like, it's also like, still... what does the other person want? If the other person's mm. like, I'm out of sight, out of mind, do what you do. Yeah. I don't want to know anything, but I'm like, I want to know every single detail. Yes. Does that make half of us ethically non-monogamous? <laughs> like, I think it's the same thing. It's a bit of a bullshit phrase, personally, because I think if you're in a non-monogamous relationship, it's pretty ethical. ethical. Why why wouldn't it be? It's like (laughs) it's like saying like you can have ethical porn, you can have ethical food, like but like making things. But a relationship? Do we say ethical non-monogamy? I mean monogamy. But it that's like what ethical monogamy. That that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah, we've just added that. I think to emphasize to people that are looking in yes it's a label for others so your relationship as well um is you've got like a slightly different trajectory because you don't you personally don't want kids no i don't think so I, I always have to say I don't think so with the caveat that, like, if tomorrow I was going to find out that, like, Jared was going to die from some, like, horrific disease that, like, yeah. I'd probably be like, let's put our shit on ice or something or, like, yeah. maybe. But I don't feel – I always say you should 100% want kids because if you're even 99% sure, that's unfair to the child. And I am nowhere even close to those numbers of, like, yeah. wanting a child. So I just don't think it would be fair. But your partner – Wants kids. Which is quite a confusing situation to be in as well. I think it's also like when we got together, we were both kind of like, I don't know. And as he's gotten older, he's like, no, I want this. So I'm. that's the other thing about being in an open relationship is or any relationship. And I said this the other day. You have to understand your partner can change the fucking mind about who they want to be at any moment. Very true. And you either grow with that or you grow away from it. Yeah. And like. I could decide tomorrow that I never want to sleep with anyone ever again. Or like, I don't want to give a blowjob ever again. And Jared would have to learn how to 
deal with that. Or Wait, the last time I was hanging out with you, you did say I that did you say never I wanted never to want to give a blowjob again because <laughs> I was so mad at the patriarchy. <laughs> have you have you done it since? I don't think so. <gasps> I know, and he's just having to. Deal it's with not that. even like I don't even think he's. Well, I might have. I can't remember now. <laughs> but I was so mad that day we talked about it where I was like, this is bullshit that <laughs> blowjobs even exist. Because <laughs> it's performative and you don't yes. feel like you're actually enjoying it, way- but it's more like a control thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, with, with Jer- again, like, yeah, going back to your partner can change what they want and what they like at any fucking time. Yeah. Like, you have that right. Like, say you get married and you're monogamous. Your partner has the right to say... I'm thinking about non-monogamy, even though we've already been gotten married, even though we already have kids, even though we share assets, yeah. I have the right as a fucking human to say, you know what? I didn't know that I could explore this side of me. Yeah. And so the fact that like when I met Jared, he wasn't sure if he wanted kids, but now he's like very sure. Like I always imagined this great scenario where we could find someone who would want to be with us as a couple but then like they would also really want kids and like yeah. would you know that's such a specific dream last time i was here you propositioned me <laughs> i was like wait do you want to have kids wait you should have kids with jared this would be great <laughs> we could just be i could be your third. two passports dual citizenship i mean that kid would be great such a feminist great situation very aware <laughs> Like just so, yeah. It's we like, can circle back to this. In life, <laughs> we can maybe get a contract a run out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, do you want to have sex with us? <laughs> it's yeah, it's the dream to like. That would be gr- amazing. But isn't it's kind of I love the fact that that can be a possibility for relationships. Yeah, and like more so and more visible now than we've had since like the tribe days of yeah. where like. You would just pass a baby to your neighbor to be like, here you go, raise exactly. this with me. <laughs> and it, it, it really upsets me, I think, that people are kind of shoehorned into this idea of what a relationship exactly. should be. And you see storylines after storylines, like from friends, family, movies, people, yeah. movies, about people being so unhappy. Did you Have you watched The Lost Daughter yet? Never even heard of it. There's this movie out that's just, it's about... Um, it's about a mum on, well, she's an older woman now and she was on holiday by herself, but you kind of keep seeing flashbacks of her, like having kids, this person, then she starts an affair and, well, spoilers. Um, <laughs> spoilers <laughs> after big, I said. Spoilers. <laughs> and, um, and then she ends up like letting you know further into the film that she uh, left her family for three years because she just there was a line where she was just like, I hate talking to my kids on the phone. And then the yeah. guy she was having an affair with was like, you can't say that. Oh yeah, was you like, can. Yeah, you can. People say it all the time. Yeah. And people also have reported, there was a statistic. I, I went down the side of like no kids TikTok and there was a study done in America where people report the most unhappiness in their life when they are spending time with their children <gasps> Yet they report that the happiest, most meaningful thing in their life is having children. Yeah, that's so. We're lying to ourselves. I think that is so confusing. I think it gives you a greater sense of purpose. It creates legacy. It makes you less selfish, but also I think it makes you fucking miserable. Yeah, I think that this is a really important thing to talk about as well, because everyone's always told, like, I never regret having my children. Like, I, like, love, like, they're the best thing that ever happened to me. And then what if that isn't your story? What if that isn't your narrative? That's where um, postpartum came from. Yeah, you're going to be like... Oh, why am I? Why mm-hmm. why don't I feel the same way that everyone else feels? I yeah. bet it's so much more frequent than we think it is. Oh, one hundred percent. Like it's a joke written on TV because it happens so much in real life where people are like, "I hate my kids. They're the fucking yeah. most annoying. They're the worst." Or like, "I hate spending time with them, talking to them, whatever." But it's it's something that again we're forced to believe that you're supposed to love your kid. And you're supposed to be obsessed with having kids and it's supposed to be this really enjoyable experience. And I just don't think we're being honest with ourselves Mm -hmm. about like how hard it really is. Yeah. 
Which is actually one of the reasons why I think co-parenting situations could be the dream. It's my dream to write a feature about a group of friends that decide to have a kid together, like five of them. That would be amazing. Yeah. Because I think it's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine if we went back to those times of like, we're still populating. We're not like killing the population. First of all, we're over fucking populated, first of all. So like we could all stand to... Take a, take a break. So cute, right? I and love it's like, that idea. Who has them this week? Mm-hmm. Holidays, you get to be with all your friends. Like twelve grandparents. That'd be amazing. And yeah. think about all the amazing like relationship structures and like I idols. That's not what. No, but kind say. of. But like you know, like you look up to your parents, don't you? Yeah. And you look up to that, like the way that they did their relationship. So imagine just a kid that has like so many different mm-hmm. ones that they're like, well, you know, when I get into a relationship, it can be anything this I want that. it to be. And I think like there's a difference between like let's say parents get divorced and they remarry and their step parents involved, and it's like that's not from birth most of the time. You know, yeah. it's not from birth. And I think that there's something about, like, the idea that your step-parent has other kids or other family or other life that never fully Mm. makes you feel, like, genetically connected. Whereas now, with, like, even queer couples or surrogate or whatever, they're not telling whose kid it is. Yeah. They don't say, like, we this DNA stuck or this DNA. They don't want to know. They're like, here's our sperm. Put it. Yeah. And we'll have a baby. There's a really negative storyline around step-parents as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think we're ever really led to believe that that's a good option. Yeah. It's always, like, the evil stepmother. Yes. The evil, you know, like, it's ne- there's always friction. There's yeah. always, like... The parents just want to like parent trap, like the kids want to parent trap their yeah. like parents to get back yeah. together and all of those things. It's like, nah, some sh- bitches shit is toxic. We have gone off down like some oh, rabbit hole. I love it. <laughs> I think it's all relevant to the it conversation. But how, so how did you get to a point in your relationship where you are now in a position where you can be like, being in an open relationship is something that I yeah. really, really want? And how did you get away from what? what society was telling you to do I think first of all being really honest with myself like when I was single between before meeting Jared and my my previous relationship I was so sure of what I did and didn't want and I was like absolutely sure that monogamy can get repetitive and it doesn't fucking matter Mm -hmm. if you're married to Brad Pitt jared lucas fucking the grinch i don't care it's like yeah monogamy will get stereotypically repetitive and monotonous and that's where nre comes in new relationship energy and there's been all these studies done about how even just like whatever nre means to you if it's like flirting with a waitress or checking out someone on the street or like actually just going out on a date with someone or having conversations on a dating app that is so much healthier in a realistic conversation about attraction because yeah. we don't die and chain off our penises and vaginas when we get married. <laughs> nope. And yeah, we don't turn off our, that part of our brain. No, and we're always going to be attracted yes. to other human beings. We're animals. And we get scarlet lettered for cheating and divorce. And it's like, well, yeah. if we were able to take that away and tell my partner like, I was so attracted to the guy bagging my groceries. I jerked off to him when I got home. And now, like, I want to, like, have sex with you. Like, there's a... Yeah. It can become a really positive in the relationship to talk about NRE and not pretend like it's not fucking happening. Yeah. Because then what happens? We resent each other. We don't want to have sex with each other anymore. The other person feels like it's their fault rather than saying, like, what's the reality here? Is it that we're both kind of just, like, ready to feel that heroin feeling yeah of nre i think a lot of people when you even start the conversation around non-monogamy their immediate reaction is this like fear of jealousy mm. and i think you said earlier yeah, I was, that you were no, yeah. jealous in like past relationships mm-hmm. and i really relate to that as well like the relationship that i was in for like maybe four and a half years alongside um reed from fucks given being in her open relationship i would always look at their relationship oh sorry that's my doorbell <laughs> <laughs> hey babe we're recording a podcast oh, sorry. no worries it's okay <laughs> 
um, yeah, I would always look at their relationship, their open relationship and think I could never do that because I would be so jealous Mm -hmm. like and I I would just put it in like the you know the distance and be like you know that's just something that's not for me and I'll never be able to do that and then suddenly I'm in this new relationship um at the beginning of 2020 and I was like huh maybe non-monogamy actually is something I could do and this person that I was in a relationship with I was like the most in love that I've ever been in my whole life and I was like how can I be so in love with someone but still like really happy for them to be like off doing other things and I think it's because I got to a point within myself as well Mm -hmm. where I felt really confident Mm -hmm. in myself and Mm -hmm. I think in the previous relationship because I wasn't feeling like the love that I needed from that relationship I was obviously like... Yeah, always wanting more. Yeah. Like there was such a fulfillment mm. of yourself and like what love and action, like real communication, real honesty with each other feels like. And that's why I always tell people, if you're thinking about opening your relationship to spice up the marriage or to like save the relationship, it's never going to fucking work. You have to already have the spiciest, most secure relationship to then secure securely open it because if i wondered oh is jared gonna like leave me for this person every time he had sex with someone or talked to someone else it would never work it becomes labor emotionally labor and if something ever did feel like it was becoming emotional labor i'd have to vocalize that and say hey i know this is something we agreed on but what's more important like my honesty (laughs) or or, you know, this arrangement we've, like, set up. Yeah. And it can always change. Like, boundaries that were, when we very first started, have loosened a lot, you know? Because, like, when we very first started, we were like, okay, this is, like, what I'm comfortable with. And because you're fe- a little fearful. You're like, I don't want to lose this mm. person. We just fell in love. I don't want to, like, fuck it up or mess it up. Yeah. But we also had to understand that we were going to make mistakes oh, figuring yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be so open to all of that. Yeah. And I guess the other thing really is the fear of maybe that person's going to meet someone else that they really fall in love with as well. And especially if you're not in like a polyamorous relationship, mm-hmm. what does that then mean for yeah. the relationship? For you, like as a person too, like, are you going to be seen less? Are you going to be like, and to me jared and i are in a place like we live together we like share so many like assets and pieces of our life that i'm like good luck trying to separate yourself from me that much um it'll never happen yeah i'm like god that would be a lot of work to like have you move out and then move in with a different and like but to Mm -hmm. say that that never could happen i'd be i'd be dumb you know because like i have seen the way that a relationship dynamic can shift and like to say that I wouldn't be okay with that, like, how do I know I wouldn't? This is very true. Yeah. And the fact that you've gone from relationships where you were monogamous mm-hmm. to now being in an open relationship just proves that people can change over time. Yeah. And I think, like, we put so much weight on sex and NRE. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be that they're falling in love with the second love of their life every time you date someone. Yeah. Like, I can tell you right now, he hasn't met anyone that is as good as like the relationship and communication we have. And that's again, not a brag, but like, yeah, it's just the fear that most people have of that thing of like, they're going to leave me for another person isn't going to happen. Yeah. It's really like kind of loosening the top on a soda can and like letting these like, (gasps) yeah, these, I think exciting moments happen yeah i think when people are dating as well kind of goes into that same kind of subject whereas Mm. i think i've experienced this recently is that when you're dating new people or having sex with new people you there's something programmed in us that makes us think maybe this person's the one maybe this Mm. person's the one like am i gonna find something like different Mm. new better like Mm -hmm. in this person and i think that is something that society drills into us is that anyone we meet could be someone that's like really pivotal in our lives because yeah. we're led to believe that we're looking for something and looking for one person mm-hmm. in particular yeah there's so many things about like 
I it, it's almost like Jared has nothing to do with anybody else. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you can't compare, you can't look for fulfillment that you're not getting in this other area of your life because that's not fair to the other person and and like it has to be its own separate piece mm. like I think that's the other fear is like oh they're gonna be hotter do you know how many people he slept with that are hotter than me all of them like <laughs> and I'm okay with that it doesn't fucking mean anything about me as a person it doesn't mean anything about him loving me less like Mm-mm. it doesn't mean anything about me and yeah. I think you have to also be able to separate that out of like this person is this person and this role in my life and this person is this and their role in my life and they don't have to bleed into each other no and that's that's totally fine that's okay yeah and I think it is just getting to that point where we accept that part yeah and also just getting to a point where we can feel secure big facts Big facts. I mean, as we know, like, the world and capitalism is built (laughs) on trying to make us feel insecure about ourselves. So it's hard. Yeah. And especially when when things are tough, Mm -hmm. you know, like when they're easy and everyone's hot and having a good time and everything's working out, you're it's super secure. What's the hardest is when things slip up or we make mistakes or we're not honest with each other or like something subconscious is happening. And that's when the insecurity comes out. Mm-hmm. That's when the real work happens. That's when like those big moments happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If you could like teach or have any like words of wisdom for people when it comes to getting into a relationship similar to yours what would it be is there anything that you've kind of learned along the way when it comes to love and relationships you have to trust your gut so (laughs) how long can I do this for much (laughs) like I almost was going to say something about like, love yourself and like, know yourself. And then I was like, no, fuck that. You got to be truthful about the other. Like, it's going to work when the other, when it works and you found the other person that it works with. Yeah. Like, don't try and force a round peg into a square hole. Like, you're, I guess it would be a square peg into a round hole because you could probably fit a round hole into a square hole. Whatever. Uh, Shapes are not my forefront. Um, But it's like, you know, when someone's not being honest or when it's not working out or something Mm -hmm. irks you the wrong way or you get a reaction or like there's just that funny feeling yep and you gotta so trust your gut about and like especially if you're being vulnerable and willing to talk about it and someone shuts you down I'm like if they love you Mm -hmm. you need them to understand exactly what we've been talking about like I can change my mind at any time I can grow into a different person especially if you're like 20s 30s 40s forget about it you're changing every fucking year of your life it's like I have that right and just because we've been married or we have kids or we've been in a relationship doesn't mean I'm not allowed to evolve Mm -hmm. and if that person can't understand that I think you're gonna have a lot of problems in the relationship in general yeah you know I mean, and I think that happens time and time again with people, especially in monogamous marriages. We hide it, kind of, push it down. I think I, even though like I've known for a long time that I need to trust my gut, we all like try to ignore it when yeah, of course. we want to. Well, how do we learn and, anything? Like, <laughs> <laughs> definitely in the past. Um, even recently, I like went against my gut feeling against someone and then I ended up like having this huge argument with them and then like ended the friendship completely. And I was just like, wait, I should have listened to that like little, like, little bit of doubt that Waving. I had at the beginning. And why did I push through that? gut feelings that is and if it's okay to like see a little red flag here or there because it's scary mm-hmm. and new and it's a new person or it's a new subject and that's yes. okay but when it's become a form of anxiety or interruptive feelings like mm-hmm. if you're starting to ruminate on the conversations or the arguments or like taking up time in your life not allowing you to be present yeah. that's when i go oh fuck no oh hell no yeah. like this doesn't deserve to be here has there been, like, what was the moment that you learned that? What was the gut feeling that 
made you think, fuck, I always need to listen to that feeling? Oh, man. <laughs> I, I feel like it goes back way farther than when I met Jared. Yeah. Like, I think it goes back to, like, literally having high school anxiety, you know? Like, I, I was so fearful of that gut reaction rather than, like, leaning into it. Yeah. And, like... Maybe it's live and learn. I don't know. I think we like. I think we have to go through so yes. much with relationships to learn about ourselves and relationships. Yes, and that's also kind of what's beautiful about them. Yeah, is that every single relationship that you have in your life, you will learn something about yourself. Yes, and you will build on that person, and each relationship will get better and better, and like. But you need to listen to yourself. You need to listen to the gut feelings because otherwise, if you don't, and then you just end up repeating You're patterns. You're the same person. Yeah. I, I, I realized at the end of my last relationship that I just go for unavailable people. Mm. And that was similar to my ex before mm. that as well. I was like, fuck, this has happened twice now. This is something that I need to work on. Like, why am I going for unavailable people? But also like that, you just put a lot on yourself. And I think a relationship mm. in that case is 50-50. And the yes. other person needs to be able to listen to their gut and come to honest terms. Unless they were literally telling you, I'm emotionally unavailable. And you were going, I'll change him. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily quite that black and white, but almost. Like, like if they weren't explicitly saying it, I don't think you should have been so hard on yourself if it was just like judging their actions i mean with my ex they were always saying um i'm not like i i don't know what i want like i know that i don't want like a relationship and oh. like all of this and i was he just said like i don't want a relationship cool. i'll just <laughs> go along with this anyway because i love you so much oh christ i uh, yeah i know i feel like so you're in a relationship with someone who's telling you they don't want to be in a relationship <laughs> Flirt, yeah. i could have told you that <laughs> <laughs> but we were having such a great time oh I know, and this was, you know, that's the relationship that sparked the interest in all the all wow. of this stuff. Well, I've noticed with you, if I can turn it around for a moment. <laughs> sure. I do think you have a little bit of like a love addict or like a lust addiction. Yes, I think I do as well. Yeah. It, it, I have someone very close to my life that also yeah. is like this, and I notice a lot of similarities between you two. Oh shit. Well, I mean, this is the reason why I wanted to start this pop I know, podcast, and why you, like, like, came out to LA. I'm, like, and the like, obsession with love. Because yeah. I've always had yeah. such an obsession with it. Did yeah. you have the same thing when you were younger? Did, were you, like, always super obsessed with it? I think I was obsessed with attention rather than love. Mm. Like, I just wanted someone who just, like, adored me and, like, gave, yeah. showered me with attention. Yeah. Because I was the youngest child, so... Uh, I think I needed that. I'm the eldest. I wonder if that has... That might have something to do with it. Yeah. But I, do you consider yourself codependent? I was, yeah. Yeah. I think I've gotten, like... I feel like the healing and the learning that I've done since my last yeah. breakup yeah. has been getting Massive. my independence back. And that's what this trip was all about, mm -hmm. actually. Like, but getting then to LA. How much of it did you spend... With people. With men. Florence. Two months? <laughs> Two months of the three months trip. <laughs> but I think, because you even called yourself out on it. I did. You were like, why am I spending so much time yeah. on these things and people? Yes. And yeah. then I got to, the thing is that, I think I needed to go through that mm -hmm. again. Almost, oh yeah. To be like. You can do it till you die. Doing it again. A lot of people do do and it till they die. Yeah. And then I did get to a point where I was like, actually, my heart isn't open. Like it fully just like closed itself up. Mm. And like, even though I was meeting really nice people, I wasn't able to like then open more mm -mm. to them to what it could be. So that's when, when you're like falling in lust with someone in the beginning. Are you yes. like obsessive about it? Like, are you thinking about it all the time? Are you like fantasizing yes. like what it could be fantasizing about conversation? Totally. Like fully a romantic so yeah. whenever I meet someone I immediately am thinking about like maybe like what our future would be like together. I remember when you told me you were driving to downtown LA to see someone and I was like that's when it hit me I was like she has a she has a problem <laughs> 
Because I don't know if y'all know, to get from where you're living to downtown and back is absolutely bonkers. It's an hour. For, for like, I don't care how good the dick is. Like It just, wasn't even that good. Just to even be figuring out how good that dick is, is a crazy thing to be doing. There was one that was in Long Beach. Do you remember that one? I'll never forget. <laughs> that was... I did that, though. I did a Huntington Beach, which is about oh, the same yeah. distance. And I did that, and it was a whirlwind, insanity, yeah. like, month of... I think I even said I love you to him, and it, wow. it was, like... It was hysteric. Now that I look back at it, it's, like, the funniest thing of all time, because I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? I was just high on I lust. I so cooled out right now. Yes, I, I absolutely <laughs> dragged you to fell. <laughs> I was like, you have a problem. We're addressing it on this podcast about this problem. But I think you're, you're exactly what you said. Like, you could do this till you're blue in the face. Yeah. But now every time it happens, because it will happen again, let's be honest. Like, we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. You will have a stronger gut feeling. You're yeah, not going to go, so. oh, I feel that little tingle. Let me push it back down. You're going to feel it and it's going to come up your windpipe and it's going to live in your chest for longer and there's going to just be a, a better recognition of it. Yeah. Hopefully by doing this podcast, I will learn more about myself. And you know what? This is what we all do, right? Yeah. We, we do work to learn more about ourselves and I think for a long time my work was focused on sex education mm-hmm. And then recently I've gotten to a point where I'm like, yeah, kind of cool with all that yeah, stuff Yeah, like, I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> I have no problem communicating to my partner sexually. I love communicating with my partners yeah. about sex, probably too much. And now it's like, okay, but how can I then do relationships better? Wait, I want to ask you a question, okay. but I don't know if, you're, if, if you've ever talked about it. So I don't want to say it if you're not going to use it. Say it, say it. Do you want me to say it? Yeah, you okay. can say it. There, when we were in Vegas and you were trading voice notes back and forth with a guy uh-huh. and you were, you were like talking about your kinks and I'm like, I love this, but she has like no shame and she's just talking. Like, yeah. I love that you're like that. Like I, I am that way. So I love when I mean, I'm like, Oh yes, eat it for breakfast. Yeah. And I think he like brought up a kink. Yes. That I had never heard of someone talking so openly about straight up front. Uh huh. And I was like, how (laughs) did you say that to that person? (laughs) Like, because they were asking in the voice note, they were like, I want to know more. Like, can you explain more about this kink? And I was like, what is she going to say? How is she, how are you going to explain that kink? It was the lactation one, right? No, I think it was the the pregnant breeding. The breeding fetish. Yes. Yeah. Because, like, do you just hope that the other person is like, oh, my God, thank God, me too? Or do you have to explain it? Mm, recent, I think I've only recently started being more comfortable with bringing those things yeah. up. And one of the reasons why I suddenly feel more comfortable saying it is because I was talking to someone when I was back in Toronto, actually, and... Um, they said it first oh and they were like yeah and I kind of have this breeding thing and I was like oh my god that's kind of what I have as well so the fact that someone else said it to me openly Mm. then sort of made me feel more comfortable saying it to other people that's big but um I feel like people kind of get it and then I'm like you know it's like about like the risk and the thrill and the moment and it's not like it's actually not that crazy of a kink (laughs) really and it's it's natural right it's human instinct evolution biological yeah that we would be kind of turned on by the fact that we could get pregnant yeah but I think for me it's probably because I don't want to get pregnant same um at the moment (laughs) I think there's something so spot on too about like risk in the beginning with partners that's like so yeah that's that heroin that we're talking about well love is a drug yes literally a chemical that is more powerful than crack that's what i found in my last relationship was that i was just addicted Mm -hmm. to the relationship and the love that i had for this person yeah in a way that was so uh, just problematic i'm gonna give you a hundred videos that are like ted talks about NRE because I think you're addicted to like that new relationship energy which is like that obsessive new like (gasps) like I'm fantasizing about the longevity or but but not even that like that's what 
I use whenever I'm trying to explain to someone why open relationships are actually super healthy. Yeah. And why they are should be less stigmatized. Because imagine if we didn't feel bad about the idea of divorce or like we stopped right. criticizing affairs or cheating. Like if we could live in that world, we would save so many relationships and families and hurt and pain. Yeah. And if we could understand that, like if people just knew how to communicate that better and these videos do such a good, like scientific mm. job of saying like, this is why open relationships can actually be incredibly helpful yeah, for people. Yeah. And the idea that, like, our thinking can shift, I think, is really important. The fact that you can go from monogamous one day, open to the next day. And also, like, being open doesn't mean that you're fucking around, like, all the time, right? Jared and I haven't this entire pandemic because we don't feel like it's been safe. Yeah, so you yeah. haven't, neither of you have slept with anyone else. Well, no. <laughs> I, but it. we've been very, like, way less. Way, because we're just like, is it worth getting te- COVID tests? And then God, hopeful that they're being honest and then yeah. bringing them into the pod. It's just, it seemed like a lot of work. Yeah. But we've definitely had a fun, especially when the vaccines came out. It was like, all right. <laughs> you know. Back on board. Back on board. Lastly, like, whilst we're getting to the end of the podcast, I want to ask you, like, what is love for you? Like, how could you describe love? Wow. What a question. My dishwasher's going off. Yeah, maybe there are some sound effects going on in the background. It's, yes, sound effects. (laughs) Um, Wow. Okay, what a great question because I think it's, like, Love is nothing like the movies. Mm-hmm. I actually think the the juiciness of a relationship comes in the hard times. Yeah. And like a couple that I, I think is just amazing is um, Dak Shepard and Kristen Bell because they talk so openly about how hard – a relationship is and they have all the money and access to couples therapists in the world mm-hmm. um you know they have their basic needs met they have you know livable jobs and wages whatever it's like even they i just love their transparency about the work that love takes and it's so much bigger than yourself like it's so much bigger than roses and kisses and sex and like it's it's growth Mm. and like I think real true love is messy and ugly and really hard and malleable and I think it's it's a decision to be made every single day yeah and you have absolutely every right to change your mind and I think they're are multiple big loves for people in their lifetime. Definitely agree with that. And I I love what you said about the growing through each thing. Cause that's like, that to me is like, you don't, you don't have to love yourself to be able to love someone else. Yeah. But I think you have to love yourself enough to understand growth and change. And, Mm. um, you shouldn't be the same in love. Sometimes love's just about loving yourself yeah. first. Mm. Is that the conclusion? Did we figure it out? Do you not need to do the rest of the episodes because we solved it? We solved the whole problem. <laughs> We're done here. My work here is done. No, but you're right. It's like you got to at least love yourself enough to know what availability you have for someone to know. It's what Ru- RuPaul says, right? Like, oh, how yeah, are you going to love yeah. anyone else if you don't love yourself first? I'm I don't watch enough RuPaul. I didn't say it in the right way, but Maybe. it was that kind Your of... Your accent pays off for a lot, so <laughs> don't worry, it worked. It doesn't, if everyone listening is British. I think if I learn anything from this episode, it's that I have a lot of shit to sort out in my <laughs> own life. <laughs> Wait, you needed me to tell you that? I feel like I'm just holding up a mirror, babe. <laughs> 
No one's ever like bluntly said that to me before. Really? About like my like I obviously like the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because I know it yeah. internally. Uh-huh. But like just to say it outright that like you are like addicted to that feeling. I think like, it's a, I think it's completely thing. human and I think everybody does. But I think there's like waves and I think you're riding a big wave right now. Definitely riding a big wave. Yeah. And I hope that I can take everyone that's listening on that wave mm-hmm. with me because it's gonna I break. I think, you know, that's that's Relatable. what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Is that everyone's on the journey at the same time. Yeah. Um so yeah, thank you so much for coming. Thanks on. for having Thanks me. Thanks for being my first ever guest. Oh my god, honored, Yay. honored. I'm so glad we're friends. I'm so glad that we did this in person as well. Oh yeah, because most of these episodes are all gonna be I know digital in this age. Uh-huh. Digital, I mean virtual. Yeah, no, but digital sounds proper. <laughs> digital. What did you say earlier today about getting wasted? You're like something proper, about proper smashed or so- you said something I could go not for a believe. proper piss up. A piss up. <laughs> this bitch said you just piss up at the park or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> at the farmer's market, piss up at the par- farmer's market. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I they, was were like, selling, they were selling booze at the flea market. You've been in like, like having three a months. piss up at the flea market. That is the best word ever. I'm going to say it all the time. But haven't you learned if there's one thing in America that's like we're using any excuse to fucking drink? <laughs> You should know that. You're British. I thought that was our thing. Not yeah. an American No, thing. we have a huge problem. You want to talk oh. about problems? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm proud of you. Okay. Is there any um, way for the listeners to <gasps> find you? Yeah, of course. I'm at Kelsey Dare All the Things. Of course, check out the book, Don't Fucking Panic, if you have anxiety, panic, or depression. Yes. That's my plug. Amazing. Thank you so much. Wow, I loved that conversation with Kelsey. I thought we just went down so many different rabbit holes and they were just all so insightful. So I really hope that you got something out of it today and that you learned something and maybe something that you can take into your future relationships or the relationship that you have now. So yeah, rounding up the episode, I would love to remind you all that I have created a little Patreon page for the Love High community. This Patreon page is £1 a month, so super, super cheap. And it's basically going to be a place where we all can connect with each other. I've also created a Discord that you can get if you're a member of the podcast as well. So on Discord, we will be able to chat about things like relationships, breakups, and I'm hoping that the community will kind of build itself and kind of be there for each other. Um, And we can all kind of be there with each other on this crazy journey of love. And also, like, eventually, it'd be really great to have merch on the site. Patreon do this really cool merch scheme. So I'm really looking forward to getting into that because I think that the Love High logo would look really sick on some stickers or on a t-shirt or maybe even a hoodie or maybe even a mug. Shit, like, it would all be sick. So... Anyway, thank you for being here, my loves, to follow me in this podcast. Remember to follow me on my social media for more life updates, little nuggets of knowledge at Florence Bark. And if you want to hear more and if you're interested in sex and relationships, then definitely go and listen to Fucks Given if you haven't already. If you're new here, if you're new to this kind of neck of the woods, you might not know about Fucks Given. So now you do. Fucks Given is mine and Reed's podcast, so definitely go and check that out because I think you might love it. If you love talking about sex, you're going to love this podcast. But anyway, this is me just rambling at the end of the episode and it's been long enough, so I'm going to let you get on with the rest of your day and yeah, remember to subscribe to this podcast, leave it a rating and please review it. Um, It's a new podcast, so I would really, really, um, really love to hear what you think of it especially this first episode with a guest i'm just so excited for these conversations i'm so happy but anyway i will speak to you all very very soon i'll see you next monday bye my loves
In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.